Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. Thanks for tuning into this podcast, and I hope you enjoy the Torah classes in it. Now, on to the episode. Let's get started. Baruch Hashem, we're starting today. Sefer Yeshua, which is very gishmak. Whoever learned it already, it's great, but it's also good to review. You know, we, don't, we learn all about all kinds of things, but very often we're so busy learning about perhaps other important things like Gemara, Halacha, those are... But it's also important to have a general perspective on Jewish history, and so Sefer Yeshua is a good place to go. If we want to learn Jewish history to a certain degree, this is our history. Before we begin, let's just do a quick overview. How many years ago did the Jewish people leave Mitzrayim? Does anybody know? Roughly. I don't tell me exactly. From today. Does anybody know what year did the Jews leave Mitzrayim? So this is Yadiyas Qualius. We have to know this. I was thinking to give out papers, actually. We're very good to know. Because you have to know a history shtickle. Jewish people left Mitzrayim in year 2448. I, I, by the way, I'm not so good with history myself. That's why I wanted to push myself to try to do this, because it is very important. The Jewish year would have been 2448. That's the year that the Jews left, um, they crossed over the, the um, Yamsuf, left Mitzrayim, which in the secular year was 1313 BCE. This is from Chabad.org. So 1313 minus, 1313 plus 2023, that's how many years ago the Jews left Mitzrayim. So what is that? It's like 3,300 years ago, roughly. I think it's 3,335, actually. How many? I think it's 3,335 years ago, I think. If I did the math correctly. I think. How many years after they left Mitzrayim did they enter Eretz Yisrael? This is not a hard one. Come on. 72, 40... Forty years. Forty years in the desert. Come on, man. Forty years in the desert. Seventy-two is uh, is uh, four times high. No, that's Alright, forty years after. So that means 2488, which is the Jewish year 2488. They left. They they entered Eretz Yisrael. So just about 3,300 years ago, they entered Eretz Yisrael. 3,300 years ago, let's say, roughly. Now, in English, just to keep the years consistent, because it's good to know, that was 1273 B.C. This is a, a lot of years ago, so it's even hard to relate to, because it's, I mean, Chabad, you can look at it, negative 1273, I mean, that's what it is, because it's before the year zero in the English calendar. That's what it would end up being. Anyways. But let's just keep that in mind. Roughly 3,300 years ago, the Jews left Mitzrayim. 3,300 years ago. Um, if you want to do the math a little bit more, just bear with me. It's good to just get a little bit of a picture. 3,300 years ago, the Jews left Mitzrayim. Okay? 3,300 years ago. Roughly how many years after leaving Mitzrayim did they build the base on Mikdash? This one, you should do the math. A lot of years after. How many years after... <coughs> How many years after leaving Mitzrayim, roughly, don't give me the exact numbers, roughly did they build a base on Mikdash? More than that. So, there was 500 years in Eretz Yisrael, roughly, until they built the base on Mikdash. And then the base on Mikdash stood for roughly 500 years, 410, if I remember correctly. 440 years after leaving, entering Eretz Yisrael, which is 480 years after leaving Mitzrayim. And then it stood for 410 years. So... 
That means, if we're keeping the math here, uh, roughly a thousand years after leaving Mitzrayim, the base of Mikdash was destroyed. And we had Golis Bovel. So let's just take a thousand as an easy number to work with. So that would be about 2,300 years ago, the first base of Mikdash was destroyed. Does that make sense? Yeah. 2,300 years ago, roughly. It's, a, it's give or take a hundred years or so, but roughly. Then you had 70 years of Golis Bovel, and after that they rebuilt the second base of Mikdash. How long did that stand for? Just over 400, I think 420 years, if I remember correctly. And it was destroyed how many years ago? The second base of Mikdash, roughly. How many years ago was the second base of Mikdash destroyed? Almost 2,000 years ago. Almost 2,000 years ago. Okay, so that's the second base on Mikdash, and today we're in 2023. So it was roughly the turn of the, turn of the, what's that called? Millennia? Was it millennia? Basenish, we don't learn this thing. Either way, beautiful. All right, roughly around year zero in English, that's the point, fine. Savory Yeshua picks up where the Torah leaves off. If you want to bring a chair, bring a chair. So, so, which means we left off with Moshe Rabbeinu's death, which is in year 2488. What day did Moshe Rabbeinu die? What? Zion. Zion Adar, right? Zion Adar, the seventh of Adar. Zion Adar, Yom Kippur was close, yeah. Zion Adar, right? Zion Adar, right? Zion Adar, he passes away. The Torah tells us that there were 30 days of mourning following his death, which meant, till what day would they have been mourning in Transjordan, meaning on the eastern side of the Yardin, before they went into Eretz Yisrael, from Zion till Zion Nisan. And as we're going to learn in the story here, Yeshua now is the king, he takes over as the leader. Three more days they prepared for travel, and then they crossed over the Yardin, which means, what day did they cross over the Yardin? From Zion, Yod So Yod Nisan, they crossed over the Yardin, okay? So that's roughly where Sefer Yeshua picks up. Now let's start Sefer Yeshua. It's Kedai to look inside. Be'ez Hashem, tomorrow I'll try to make photocopies because it's very Kedai to see inside. Sefer Yeshua starts off like this. Let's try to do at least like nine psukim today because that's the first section. It was after the death of Moshe, the Evet Hashem, the servant of Hashem. So it mentions over here after his death that he was the servant of Hashem. It's interesting. Beforehand, it doesn't seem to mention that as significantly. Here, it mentions Moshe was Eved Hashem, but it's only after his death that it actually mentions that. Interesting ha'ara. Farshim discuss why would that be? Only after he dies, Moshe Eved Hashem after his death. Now Yeshua is the leader. What's that? I'm not sure if it mentions in Torah that he was Eved Hashem. It mentions a lot of things about him. Anav Mikol Adam, Bebesi, but why would it say after his death? That's interesting. Is is pachad, avi. That then you could call him like He's dead. I was thinking is that we say a concept of zecher tzadik levracha, is that when you mention a tzadik, you're supposed to say good things about him. Now that's what it really means. When you say zatzal zecher tzadik levracha, really what we're saying is, this fellow who died, we should remember him for good things. You're supposed to say good things about him. So, after Moshe's death, we say Eved Hashem. And he, also, it's, it's a massive praise. It's a massive praise. And we use Eved Hashem, yes. but it's not true. Moshe was actually... Yeah, 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 exactly. So, it's interesting that you're saying that because there's like a handful of people in Tanakh that are called Eved Hashem. Yeah. Which is a, just a handful of people. It's a very limited amount of people. 
Someone else I saw over here says, I don't remember who it was over here, says, Eved Hashem implies that even after his death, he still was Eved Hashem. Like some way, he was continuing to improve. Not sure exactly what the Pshat that is, but either way. Hashem says to Yeshua ben Nun, now look what does it call him? Mishores Moshe Lemor. The Mishores of Moshe saying. Yeshua ben Nun was the Mishores of Moshe. What's a Mishores? What's that? It means servant, the one who serves. Now what does it come from? So the Gemara tells us, when it comes to learning from a Rebbe, What does that mean? Greater is if serving a Rebbe, rather than learning from him. Meaning learning from a Rebbe is very significant. But Nishares, Shimushai, is even greater than that. So when the Farshman speak out over here, it's emphasizing to us why Yeshua Benun became the next leader. It wasn't just that he learned from Moshe Rabbeinu. Other people learned from Moshe Rabbeinu. We know that it says about Yeshua Benun, What does that mean? He never left Moshe's tent. Meaning Yeshua Benun was a high-level student of Moshe, the greatest student of Moshe Rabbeinu. Now, I want to point something out. We had other great people. We had Kalev Ben Yifuna, for example. We had Moshe's own children. They didn't take over as the next leader. Yeshua Benun takes over as the next leader because he's Meshare Moshe. He was Gadol Shimusha Yosem Elimudai. He served Moshe. He took care of Moshe. He helped him out in a way. If you remember by Harsinai, he stood at the foot of the mountain waiting for Moshe to come down so he could learn from him the moment he gets down. That's a Mesharis Moshe. That's a different level altogether. I remember, and I was in Eri Yisrael, but you see this also elsewhere, that after Shir, there would always be a few guys that wanted to walk the Rebbe home to learn with him. And that's already a shtickle gather of Mesharis Moshe Lemur, meaning... Not just learning from him, but when you experience life with him by serving him, there's an entirely different level of connection and study that you could actually develop from that fellow. Not just sitting in shir. It's much more than that. You see how he conducts himself. How does he paskin, not just in terms of psak halacha, but how does he conduct himself with other people? You can really make sense. The newly minted leader, right? The new, the new president takes over. What's the, what's, what's the inauguration, inauguration speech? That sounds like a good idea, right? Maybe give him chizuk, strengthen him, support him. Let's see what Hashem says to Moshe, to Yeshua. Moshe Avdi Meis. Moshe, my servant, died. Moshe Avdi Meis. So, I, I want to stop there just before we see the rest of the Pasuk. Zakt Rashi, Tupshatim in Rashi. First of all, everybody should be asking me, Moshe Avdi Meis, Shkoyach. <laughs> we know he's dead. That's why Yeshua is the leader. Let's read the full pasuk. Cross over the Yarden. You and the entire nation. The land for the land that I'm going to give the Jewish people. Why is Hashem saying Moshe Avdi Meis? So how do you explain it? Beautiful. Some of the Mepharshim talk will learn this way. What Hashem's saying is, had Moshe been alive, you wouldn't be allowed to cross in. Because there was a Gezerah against Moshe. You're not allowed to go into Eretz Yisrael. So what Hashem's saying is, now that he's not here, there isn't a Gezerah you could go in. Beautiful. What? It's still unnecessary to mention. <laughs> okay, of course, we understand. Let's return to stress the again. That's also interesting. Double, double, double expression. So it comes along Rashi, says, Tupshatim. First pet is a Pella. Says Rashi, if the Ilu Hayakayam, if Moshe was still around, I would desire him as the leader. Could you imagine? What a chizuk he's giving Yeshua yeah. Benun. Yeshua, you're the new leader, but if Moshe was around, 
he would be this. He would still be the leader. That's like the worst thing you could tell a new nurse Shiva steps up. By the way, if 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 your father was still around, if you know the previous Rashi was still around, we would have preferred him. Can you imagine anything more demoralizing to a new leader than to say the Ilu Hayakayim Boya Yisi Chafetz? It's like the worst message you could tell Yeshua Ben Nun. And obviously, what's the purpose? Altogether. Let's see the second shot in Rashi. So Rabbi Seinu Darshim, the Rabbi Seinu expounded from here in Seches Temura that there were 3,000 halachas lost during the days of the mourning of Moshe Rabbeinu, those 30 days that they were mourning. 3,000 halachas were forgotten. And we didn't have Moshe Rabbeinu to talk to Hashem where there was this like direct conduit which could just get us the answers. So Yeshua went to Hashem and he asked him, can you uh, help me out? Tell me the answer of these Shilas 3,000 halachas. So Hashem said back to him, Moshe Avdimes, Moshe, my servant, died. And the Torah was called on his name. It's called Tairas Moshe. The Torah is all called on Moshe Rabbeinu's name. To tell you, I can't tell you anything now. Save the b'Melchama. Go, go work, go develop it in, in Melchama. What do you mean? Melcham Teshel Torah. that's what it means. Go and work on the sugya, shvitz on the sugyas and figure it out on your, on your own. Another empowering message, right? <laughs> if Moshe would have been around, I was a conduit and I would have been happy to tell you the answers to the 3,000 halachas that are forgotten. He's not here anymore, go figure it out on your own. Can you imagine two messages that are less empowering than these two messages to the new leader, Yeshua ben Nun? And that's the first message that HaKadosh Baruch is telling the new, new leader, Yeshua ben Nun. One, if Moshe had been around, I would have preferred him. I would still desire him. And two, the fact that you forgot these halachas, go figure it out. Moshe is not around. He would have been able to answer that. Or, or, or either. Or, it is, it is. Yeah, this is Nevi'im. This is Nevi'im. And this is a new era. You're right. It is an error. Others learn, by the way, that's a different shot. Others learn, Moshe Avdi Meis, that's why Nevuah is now Shoiran Yeshua Ben Nun. means the emphasis here is that had Moshe not passed away, so then you wouldn't have been able to achieve as much Nevuah in the Swiss of the Jewish people because you wouldn't have been necessary. Now that he's not here, you need to step up and take the job over. That's a different shot. But the way Rashi learns is a Pella. If Moshe would have been here... I wouldn't have, I would have desired him, A, B, I would have been happy to teach you these halachas, or you could have figured them out, but now you just go figure it out on your own. Kind of a message that Kodesh Baruch is sending to Yeshua ben Nun. You hear this, Nachi? Yeshua ben Nun takes over as the leader. First message that Hashem tells Yeshua ben Nun is, Moshe Avdimes. I serve him, Moshe died, Rashi says, Tupshatim. If he would have still been around, I would have wanted him to be the leader still. Or there were certain halachas that were lost during the days of the Avelis of Moshe. And Hashem was telling Moshe, uh, Yeshua, just because when Moshe was around, the Torah was called on his name, Torah's Moshe. So I could have told Moshe these, but now that Moshe's not here, you have to go figure it out. Save it toward the Figure it out on your own. What kind of an empowering message is this to the new leader? It's very, very mud in the zach. Does anybody want to offer something? Save it toward the Moshe Oh, oh, Tells me about conquering Eretz Yisrael. The next pasuk. The next pasuk. The end of that pasuk says, and, and um, now lead cross the Jordan and lead the nation into Eretz Yisrael to the land that I'm going to give to Bnei Yisrael. I'll tell you a simple shot. Now go weiter. 
The simple pshat is, Chayra, based on the end of the Torah, is that Moshe Rabbeinu had to convince Yeshua ben Nun to take over the mantle of leadership. Why did he have to convince Yeshua ben Nun to take it over? Because Yeshua was worried. Just as Moshe did a tiny error, Neymariva, a tiny mistake, and because of that tiny error, what ends up happening? There's a huge gezera against him for going into the Promised Land, the land that he wanted to go in for, for so many years, such a, such a strong gezera. Yeshua says, I don't want that position. Who knows what gezera is going to come against me? So what HaKadosh Baruch is telling Yeshua ben Nun, and, and Moshe had to say, no, don't worry, you're going to be fine, you'll lead the Jews in. Hashem told Moshe, empower him, convince him, he'll be okay. Hashem's coming to Mo Yeshua to tell him, Moshe Avdi Mace, but I didn't dislike Moshe. If he was alive still, boy, I loved Moshe Rabbeinu. It wasn't because uh, I wanted to negate his power, I didn't want him. There was a Gezerah, whatever the reason is, but Hashem needs to come and power Yeshua Benun and say, I still loved him as a leader. There was an issue, technical issue, he couldn't go in. But don't be, don't be despair. Don't despair, don't be uh, lower. Don't, don't feel badly about that, that as if something negative will happen against you. Just as I loved him as a leader, even though he did something wrong, I'm going to value you as a leader as well, because you're Mishar Ismashim. Meaning you are in place of him, just as I loved him, I'm going to take care of I'm going to love you and care for you as well. But that's Lechayr, maybe one shot, a simple shot, from the end of the Torah you could say in the Pesukim here. Which then is talking an empowering message. As Yeshua is the natural continuum of Moshe, well if Hashem really wanted Moshe as the leader, it's natural he'll want Yeshua as the leader. Because Yeshua is the natural leader. There's a lot of rias to this, by the way. Yeshua is the, almost like the reincarnate of Moshe Rabbeinu. He's also humble. We find a lot of similarities. He's the moon, he's the sun. We have that, we have that relationship. There's a lot of parallels. He was his primary. Misharis, exactly. It wasn't just a student. He was Gadol Shimusha Yasmili Muta, exactly. Yeah. Save it to Arndam Muhammad. Yeshua has this image. Please sit, please sit, guys. You don't have to stand. Sit, sit, sit. You don't have to stand. Right. So I think it is important, I don't know, empowering per se, but I think it's important for you to show it to now understand that it's not, it's not a complete issue. Yeah. You have the ability to figure it out. Oh, that's a good word. Moshe had a direct line to Hashem. You know, he was pick up the cell phone. There was no cast baklari shein ameira. I mean, it was, it was, everything was clear. Yeshua is not on that madrega, so Hashem saying, save it to Arndam Muhammad, you could figure it out. Meaning, go learn, you are able to do it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, 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 right. That's, that's, as is emphasized at the end of the Torah also, if you go in front of them, they'll be successful. If you don't go in front of them, they won't be. It means Yeshua had to understand his mission. Save it toward them by Muhammad. You're the one in charge here. Don't think that you're, uh, you're grade B. You're not grade B. You, you have to take charge, and that's the only way they'll succeed. Good. Let's continue the Pesukim now. Pause the Gimel. Oh, a few more minutes. Anyone has to go, you can go. Just go a few more minutes. Any place that your foot uh, steps in Eretz Yisrael, you're going to be, it's going to be given to you. 
Kasher dibarti al Moshe, as I spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu. So Hashem says, just like I was Maftiach Moshe, I promised Moshe, wherever you walk in Eretz Yisroel, you're going to breeze through them. It's not going to be a problem. You're going to conquer Eretz Yisroel. It's going to be a breeze. You'll be fine. Now he gives the borders of Eretz Yisrael. This, for me, was a little bit confusing. Maybe Husky help me out a little bit over here. I was trying to find a good map of this. It's very difficult to find a good map, so we have to use our imagination a little bit. He tells Yeshua ben Nun the borders of Eretz Yisrael. Now, biblical Eretz Yisrael is very different than Eretz Yisrael is today. It seems to be much larger. I just want to point that out. <laughs> let's, let's, let's go through it now. So we're going to start with the southeast corner. From this desert, which Rashi learns is Midbar Kadesh, where the Jews were encamped, and this Levonon. Now, Levonon, I, I had difficulty figuring out exactly where this was, because Lebanon what it is northwest Eretz Yisrael. So I, this, this was confusing to me. We're talking about southeast, Rashi learns over here, in the portion of Edom, which was southeast of Eretz Yisrael, where they entered Eretz Yisrael. Just, you have to use a little bit of an imagination, because I don't have a map in front of me. The Jews are encamped Transjordan. What's Transjordan? The eastern side of Eretz Yisrael. Okay, if you're facing me, this is the east and this is the west, right? If, if you're looking at Eretz Yisrael, you're facing me, okay? East, west, north, and south. The Jews are here, which is on the other side of the Yardin, and here is Eretz Yisrael. So the Eretz Yisrael is west of them. Everybody with me? And the Yardin flows between them. They're encamped southeast of Eretz Yisrael in the portion of Edom, which the Pasukim here call this area which is Midbar Kadesh and the Levonin, where they're going to enter Eretz Yisrael. That's the southeastern border of Eretz Yisrael. Till the great river which is called Nahar Pras, the Euphrates River. Now the Euphrates River, Rashi learns, is the northern, is the northern border. So from the eastern, which is this... Uh, Levonim, this Midbar Kadesh, Tilden Aharpras, the northern border, which actually is in Bovel. I mean, it's, it's very, a lot, it covers a lot of area. That's north, that's south to, to north. If you could find one, it'd be great. Let's just finish the Pasuk. All the land of the Chitim, which is from the east, until the west, which is Yamagadol, where the sun sets. The west is easy, because what's the western border of Eretz Yisrael, at least in a general sense? The Mediterranean Sea. The western border is the Mediterranean Sea. So from the east, the Eretz Chitim, which covering all of the middle till the Mediterranean Sea, you get a Chomish if you want to grab one. But a good, if you find a good map, it's great. It seems like the borders that were given to the Jewish people then superseded far beyond the borders of Eretz Yisrael today. I just want to point that out. Lechayr would have covered much of the countries that surround Eretz Yisrael today. Oh, that's a good one. I think that might have a good picture, actually. Beautiful. Beautiful. Let's see what we have here. Land of Edom. Where's Eretz Yisrael? We have, this is Eretz Canaan. This is, this is, hold on, Mediterranean, Jordan. Okay, so the Jews are encamped, land of Amorites. Where are we holding here? Amon, Moab, Edom. So Edom is actually south. Okay, so this is a little confusing. The Jews are going to cross over the Jordan, which has to be about here. Oh, perfect, it even shows us. Where's the gully, where's the, um, 
Harvest Moyov is somewhere around here. What is this arrow showing us? Right, I guess that's where they crossed over. That's what these green arrows showing us here. If you want to crowd in, you can see it. So they're encamped somewhere around here. I guess it's land of the Amori, according to this map. The eastern border is somewhere from around here, apparently, because that's the land of Edom, as Rashi learns, Eretz Edom, till the northern border, which is going to be till Nahar Pras, which is not on the map. Okay? The Gemara in Gitin actually learns it's till Horahar, which is a mountain called Hor, whatever. It's a mountain northern border. And then east to west is going to be Somewhere around here till the Mediterranean, the, the east western border is easy. There's a Machlaikis in Masechus Gittin. There were islands off the coast of Eretz Yisrael. Are those included, at least regarding Gittin? You'll get there. You're going to do that in the Mishnah, the first Mishnah. But that's going to be roughly the border. Eretz Yisrael today, I think, is much smaller, what I understand. It could be, yeah. yeah so the land of Edom, southeast. Makes sense. Yeah. It's far, it's far beyond the borders, apparently. That was the borders of Eretz Yisrael. Let's continue like a few more pesukim. We'll stop. No man will stand in front of you. All the days of your life. This is very empowering. Just as I was with Moshe, I'll be with you. So he reinforces. Just as I supported Moshe, I loved Moshe as the leader. I'm going to support you as well. I won't let, release you, I won't let you go. The Gura learns over here, what does that mean? Le'arpecha is a haftacha, that he'll be successful in war. And Le'ezveka is, after war I won't give up on you either. I'm going to continue to support you and take care of you after war until the land is settled. I'm going to make sure everything is taken care of, Hashem says to Yeshua bin Nun, as it's meant to be. I guess we'll stop here. Israel Hashem will pick up tomorrow. We're going to talk about Chazak ve'amatz. Three times that's said, we'll pick up with that tomorrow. Gentlemen, it's Locha Rabba. We'll stop at Pasuk Hey. Pick up with Vav tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody. It was awesome, honestly. Please, please, we'll pick up tomorrow. Uh, let me just pause this. Hold on a second. Sorry.